everybody. Welcome to Podcast Triple X. This is episode two. I made it to a second show. Who would have thunk it? It's just unbelievable, isn't it? I am Vixen. Thank you for tuning in. And this episode, I am reviewing the book Lost Girls. The writer is Alan Moore. The artist is Melinda Gebby. And I believe uh, from doing my research, they are married. Like they fell in love in the middle of doing this book. Yeah, that's, that's, that's so cute, you know. However, I guess when you're doing pornographic stuff like incest and just fucking, I guess you're just destined to fall in love. For instance, on the cover page, or this might be the inside page, we have three women pretty much just fondling themselves. We got two women standing. We got one woman sitting in the middle of them. She's on what appears to be, for lack of a better term, a dildo chair. Or basically you sit on it and I guess you just go to work. Hey, I wonder if they make those anymore. Or if they ever made them. This is so cool. I may have to investigate that for uh, my uh, my toy chest. Anywho. <laughs> uh, the publishers is top shelf. And just basically the whole premise of the story is, like I said, we have three women. And Lost Girls is basically the story of... Alice from Alice in Wonderland, Dorothy from The Wizard of Oz, and Wendy from Peter Pan. Grown up and apparently they have grown up into some horny lesbian chicks. Wow. But actually it, it is it is a, a very good story. I have to say that uh, when uh, Trenchcoat first gave it to me, I thought, okay. But I actually got hooked on it and it is a very good story. So right away that's letting you know I'm giving it my endorsement and just more the artwork is actually pretty good even the just in the beginning pages and I'm getting eventually that's the only complaint about this it's got a lot of artwork before you get to story maybe that was a way for the artist to show off her work okay I get the point you can draw it's beautiful all right of course you know I could be a little jealous because all I could draw was stick figures But that's beside the point. But this is book one, and it's called Older Children. And we first start off talking or showing Alice. More artwork, I tell you. It's just an abundance of artwork. Well, we know, you know, hopefully she won't ever be unemployed. That's a beautiful thing. Anyway, chapter one is The Mirror. And it starts off where the whole chapter is basically told from the reflection of the mirror. It's almost like the mirror in itself is a character within the story. Of course, the mirror doesn't talk, but it's a character within itself, where basically the mirror reflects the room and you can see what's going on inside the room. And it starts off very, uh, very salacious from the start. That's a word for you, salacious. That's a $5 word. See, I know big words, damn it. It starts off with, tell me a story. And... In the beginning, it seems like it's two children talking to each other. Oh, I don't know any stories. Then automatically we get to your little white breasts. They're so lovely. They'll never be beautiful once you're grown. Will you touch them for me? And right away I was like, whoa, what the the fuck did I just stumble into? But of course, it keeps you interested because you kind of, it's almost like a, for lack of a better word, a train wreck. Like, oh, that's so nasty. Let me see what else happens. So... Again, it's told from the reflection of the mirror. You see 
you just see a woman's leg. You don't really see anybody else. You just see the woman's leg. And basically, she's just talking. You know, it sounds like she's talking to another girl. Open your legs just a little and I'll do the same. So automatically, I'm like, oh, okay. We got some masturbation shit going on in here. Stuff like the cream is in the drawer and uh, cold cream get, melts and gets messy. I'm like, hmm. I guess they didn't have KY back then. KY works for me. But anyway. She goes back into the bed after going to get the cold cream. And this is a telling part in the story where she says, Pardon me for interrupting, but was it the mirror that gets broken? Because I should actually explain that apparently during all of this, she talks about, Oh, you know, I've lost my place in the story when I take my <coughs> medication. I tend to forget things and I'm sorry something gets broken and then she says in the story does the mirror ever get broken oh no no my love the mirror never breaks the mirror never melts not anymore so again we don't really see who's in the room this is page two but obviously we see that there's something going on because we know there's a naked lady but we don't see who her paramour is have the next day the maids are in the room and basically they're saying that she's a perv and one of uh, the maids is like she had a girl in here yesterday afternoon I heard him and just basically they're saying that she's a pedophile and a druggie and she stays uh, I think they said she stays pie-eyed that all she does is uh yeah, here we go. At the bottom of page three. Drugs, little girls, what makes people act like that? And supposedly, uh, the lady is supposed to be of a good breeding. As we see in the next page, again, told from the standpoint of the mirror, she is having her hair done by the other servants later on that night. And she tells her servant that she is going to be leaving the estate and going to a hotel. And we find out that her name is Miss Fairchild. And that she's going to go back. That she's tired of staying there. And she basically alludes to the fact that her, she knows her family won't be happy with it. But she's basically like, oh, fuck them. Which, hey, I gotta say, points for her. Because she does what she wants to do. And we get an inkling that... The first, I guess, clear inkling that she is a lesbian because she refers to her brother being angry with her leaving. And she says, Jeffrey just doesn't want me scandalizing the home counties by escorting some lady-in-waiting to the opera. So, obviously, she's gay. And this is, as just as a point of reference, this takes place in... Austria in the early 1900s, I believe, was before World War One. So, of course, that homosexuality was not very was not very uh, not encouraged. Not that it's very not that it's encouraged that much nowadays, but it really wasn't encouraged then. So basically, she goes to the hotel, takes nothing with her except her clothes and the mirror. And again, this whole chapter, the mirror is being told from the point of view of the mirror. She shows up, talks to a few people that talks about how the mirror is important to her because it's always been in the family. And she takes the mirror with her to her room. 
And later on that night, she really gets busy. I mean, this is the art. I have to say, the artwork is very detailed, very specific. You, there are no doubts as to what's going on, and it's very detailed. What I like about it is that the women look like women. You know, the men look like men. It's very precise, and you can see she's in her hotel room, the nice roaring fire, and you see her masturbating quite viciously. Well, I shouldn't say vicious, because you don't want to be vicious, but quite, uh, she's getting down with it, pretty much, and, you know, she's even making the noises. Hey, she's in, she, she's all, like, she's just a, a one, you know, she's just a one woman, you know, fun, fun party. I love that. <laughs> don't need no man. Well, I guess in her instance, since she's gay, she really doesn't want a man. So now we get to, again, the mirror is reflecting all of this back to us, the reader. And after she is completed, and obviously she has climaxed, she goes, oh, that was good just watching you. It thrills me so much. Then she says, how do I look? How did I look to you? And again, you're thinking, wait a minute. She's talking to her lover. And then she's like, you know, I don't look old. Oh, no, no, no. Don't answer that. So... All this time, as we in the first page, you're wondering, okay, who the hell is she talking to? What is this all about? Come to find out, she is actually talking to herself. Her lack of a better, for lack of a better term, her lover is her inner child. Because she says that she's walking to the mirror. She says, dear child, I miss you terribly. Come and kiss me goodnight. So she's sitting in front of the mirror, and she actually goes to the mirror and kisses the mirror. So at this point, I'm just totally intrigued. Like, what the hell? All right, I, it's, it's got me hooked now. Now we got chapter two, which is called Silver Shoes. And we have another woman that shows up. Her name is Miss Gale. And obviously she has an American accent. She's from the U.S. And Lady Fairchild has noticed her from afar, but she hasn't made any moves towards her yet. But that comes along later. So, Miss Gale, uh, might as well just blow it now. That's Dorothy. This is Dorothy from The Wizard of Oz. Lady Fairchild is Alice from Alice in Wonderland. So, Dorothy's just checked into the hotel. Automatically, this horny bastard comes up to her. His name is Ralph, or Rolf, or whatever. And he basically makes, his, him, makes himself known. He's Captain Ralph Bauer. And his story is he's there at the Himmel Garden. That's the name of the hotel. To convalesce. Yeah, okay. He was just waiting to pick up some horny chick. And she pretty much obliges. She's like, you know, hey, I want to, you know, let's go out to dinner. Let's have fun. And they go their separate ways. Then they meet up that night at the dinner. And automatically, it's just from the door. You know from the door they're going to fuck. And you know, there's nothing. Don't. The only, someone's going to get eaten, but it's not going to be dinner. I'll just say that. So, they wander out into the garden, and she's uh, telling him about how he loves her shoes. And that becomes a very important point later. He tells her, oh, I love your shoes. They're the lovely silver shoes. And she makes some reference to something about, boy, you can say that, that my shoes got me all the way to Austria. And he says, oh, yes, and I am certain they will take you farther still. Take you places that you have not dreamed. So they go out into the garden, and he starts getting fresh. 
not that she fights him off, within a matter of maybe, I don't know, 10 seconds, her dress is up, her panties are down, and he's fucking her. Well, actually, no, I have to say he doesn't fuck her because she makes it a point to say that she does not have protection. Nice to see, you know, she's trying to be a responsible lady. She probably doesn't want to be saddled down with any kids since she's in this to this traveling the world situation. Can't fault her for that. Well, they're out in the garden and she says, uh, see, I, I love the way she talks. You can tell she's just, she's like a hick girl from like the Midwest. See, I ain't got no preventions and I ain't wanting no baby, so. <laughs> so he's like, okay, well, we'll take care of that. And he's, she's like, oh, but we're so near the hotel. Won't somebody watch? She doesn't care as soon as he starts eating. And eat he does. Like I said, I'm a, I'm, I'm a woman. I have no problem with that. But you can see in the background, even though they're supposedly away from the hotel, we do see in the top panel there is a shadow in the window. And obviously it's Lady Fairchild, Alice. So she's watching this go down and... Like I said, the artwork in this is is wow. This has to be the best drawn pornographic comic I have read. Like I said, I can tell it's a good comic when I read it and I go, ooh. Yeah. So, in the middle of all of this, he's eating her out and she is massaging his dick with her shoes. And he's actually giving her direction, talking about your foot. Ah, keep keep moving it. Keep moving it. So, I had to read this twice to get the point. He comes on her shoes. And I was like, wow. And come to find out, as I said, the shoes would be an important point to mention that he has a shoe fetish. He's like, your shoes, please forgive me. It, it's a passion for me. I hope I have not startled you. And she says, ha ha, well, I'm sure not in Kansas anymore. You got that right. So they end up going back to the hotel, pretty much saying, you know, I had fun. You're a good fuck, but we're not doing this serious. You know, we're not a couple, right? So they basically said, okay, that's cool with me. You know, we'll be fuck buddies. That's pretty much what the gist of it is. And I like at the end how, at the end of the chapter, he goes to his room. She goes to her room. She takes off her shoes to walk up the steps and leaves the cum-stained shoes outside the door. And you see Lady Fairchild watching her from a distance. So automatically you have to realize, I'm sure Alice is like, well, okay, we know she likes to fuck. We know she's a freak. Let me talk to her. And you know, this is some really good artwork because she really depicts that there is cum on the shoes. Wow. It's times like this I wish I could draw better than stick figures. Alright, now we're going to um, chapter 3 is Missing Shadows. And in this chapter, finally Dorothy and Alice meet. And they're talking to each other and Alice noticed, oh look, there's someone else arriving with a man. And we have this couple, They're, they are the Potters, Harold, and as we find out later, this is Wendy. And Harold is just, from the door, he's just a pompous ass. You have to wonder what they're doing together, and, you know, you can tell he's very upper crust, very uh, snotty, 
gives direction to everyone like they're there to do his whim and while he's busy rambling on talking about himself notice that uh his wife is looking at the bellhop as he's leaving looking at that ass okay so she's horny and obviously he's not giving harold's not doing the job so there's rattling on about how he's doing some type of business deal and he's all concerned about that so she pretty much is just there as his servant and there's just no satisfaction in this relationship whatsoever at least not on her part and uh, just to further prove the point his term of endearment of for her is old thing she says I'm going to go walk out in the uh, lawn you know I'm going to go take a walk Okay, old thing, you should go and get some air. I'm like, fuck you. What the fuck? So, yeah, that's a loveless marriage. Now, the funny thing is, is that apparently they have a sexless marriage, but he, and they depict the artwork where he's reading this book, and it's obviously some type of pornographic book. And I actually, like I said, I can't stress enough that the art in this is really great because I think it's cool when you have an artist that can do the artwork for the main story and then do a whole separate section of a story so she's just really it looks like her style i mean i don't know if there is such a terminology as victorian art but she she's just you know i love her artwork i can't stress it enough and actually i would say this that the art is probably geared towards women just the just the way it looks, the way it feels, the may, the way it makes you feel, like the colors. Like for instance, we now have Wendy walking through the garden. She's surrounded by flowers and greenery. So I would say this was probably drawn. Of course, it was drawn by a woman, but it's probably also for a woman's point of view. So Wendy's walking through the garden, and again, I mentioned that bellhop earlier. She somehow ends up in front of his window. And he's undressing. And he's got the schlong from heaven. It's like he takes off his clothes and it must be like, oh, it's just wow. You can make it out just from, hey. Like they say, you can make that ass out from the front. You can make out this dick from the side. I'm telling you. So she's just standing there. And she acts like she's so shocked. But she stands in that window for a good amount of time before she leaves. So we just have more story of what the husband's reading. And this is the point that I really love. just Which illustrates the point of the chapter or the title of the chapter, Missing Shadows. Wendy and Harold are standing in their bedroom. They're talking to each other, just moving around the room and... I guess it's the, the the candlelight is reflecting their shadows on the wall. And to look at the shadows on the wall, it looks pornographic. At one point, Harold is down on the floor, but he's actually looking for something. Wendy is bent over, but if you look at it, it's almost like he's bent over to please her. Now we have another picture of them standing in front of the drawer and again everything about this just looks pornographic from the shadows at one point it even looks like she's bent down to give him a blowjob and all she's doing is looking over paperwork it's the way he's holding the paperwork in his hand 
and he's just rattling on and on and basically she's just there just listening to him prattle on and the missing shadows basically is what's missing in their reality it's basically the to me i'm looking at is that this is the difference between reality and what it appears to be that things aren't what they appear to be so he again that term of endearment they go to bed good night harold good night old thing i tell you if anyone called me old thing get his ass kicked okay chapter four moving right along chapter four which is called poppies so as i've alluded before lady fairchild or alice has a drug situation going on so it opens up with when no, i'm sorry not wendy we have dorothy and alice actually meeting each other for breakfast and you notice in the background that harold and wendy have also shown up for breakfast and you can see just from the picture how wendy is just broken she's bent down she's not looking up at anybody yes i know trench coat would approve about the woman being subservient but this is just sad it's just sad so at the same time while harold and wendy are having breakfast they're watching or dinner or lunch whatever meal it is because they have wine i don't think they would serve wine at breakfast but you don't know you see alice and dorothy talking to each other and alice is just basically saying to her that we need to we should hook up go out to dinner and talk and at the bottom of the second page in chapter four we see alice make hand contact with dorothy and dorothy does not pull away and obviously harold is noticing them wendy notices too but it's more the point is more made that harold notices them so harold likes to watch i am convinced i'm pretty sure so it's basically in this chapter in this beginning part of the chapter we see how everyone's they're kind of they keep crossing paths that wendy and harold keep passing crossing paths with dorothy and alice dorothy and alice go back to alice's room and she basically says alice, alice basically says to her you know would you like some opium and uh she lights up the she lights up the uh pipe dorothy gets high she passes it over to alice so basically we got a drugs and sex thing going on here which was my favorite things to combine them so dorothy's looking over some pornographic book that alice has they start kissing and suddenly dorothy goes no wait wait don't and alice is suddenly embarrassed oh i'm sorry i thought and then she's like oh no no it's not that it's just you know i messed up my dress and i don't want to get mess my dress up so dorothy is a slut well actually she would be called a liberated woman so i have to stuff that she wouldn't normally get to do so now she's naked on the bed they're filling each other up and smoking and just the, just the wording Ooh, that feels so silky wow it's just like you want to smoke some more <laughs> like i said all all the depictions of sex in this book are very detailed and very i guess i should say graphic i guess for lack of a better word graphic but 
the way they're drawn, it is drawn in an artistic way. Like, this is something you would see in an art gallery. The way that Gabby has drawn these characters. That is something that it doesn't, it doesn't particularly look like, oh, you know, oh, it's just, just straight up nasty. But it actually is artful. And again, I can tell that the artwork that she's... Well, it's supposed to, this is supposed to be like a psychedelic theme since they're both high off of opium. You kind of see that. Now, mind you, they're in a hotel room in the bed. But you see that suddenly they're surrounded by all these different colors. And you see the flowers. And Alice starts talking about poppies. And now... Dorothy's like, oh, yeah, I, I remember poppies. And, oh, then she's distracted because Alice is eating her out right now. So that there, there doesn't seem to be too much more conversation going on. So Alice is got her face in the place, as we you know. And, and she's about to get even deeper in, in, in the pussy. And, mind you, she's high. So she sees this... This figment of her imagination. Mind you, she's high. And I've had this discussion before with Trenchcoat. Because I had to say, so what? She saw a little man inside of Dorothy's pussy? But it was some, it was some, it's, it's actually a reference to Alice in Wonderland. And it's a, it's a reminder of her story. So it, it shakes Alice up so bad that she stops what she's doing. And Dorothy's like, what's wrong? What's wrong? And she was like, uh, oh, no, nothing. I I was just seeing things. That's all. I remembered part of a dream that I used to have, a part of a game when I was young. So basically, Dorothy's like, okay, you know what? I think we need to stop this and you get some rest. And Alice was like, yeah, I agree. I think we should. Let's, let's uh, meet up tomorrow. And... You see Dorothy leaving her room with her bathrobe on. And you see this shot in the hallway. And apparently Harold is also peering out of his door in the hallway. And he sees them in the hallway and basically he's kind of shot. He goes, ah, evening. Lovely night. And that's the end of that chapter. And chapter 5, called Straight On Till Morning, basically I can... It's a retelling of what I just told you, but it's now told from Wendy's point of view. Where I said before that Harold was noticing Alice and Dorothy, well, Wendy was noticing too. So this is now told from Wendy's point of view. And Wendy's getting ready for bed, and they're getting ready for bed. And again, you know, he refers to her as goodnight, old thing. Yeah, that would make me hot. So... Their room is next door to Alice's room, so they start listening to the conversation Dorothy and Alice are having. Where you where you see the woo, and that's when Dor that's when Dorothy was getting high off of the opium. And you have all these cool images. I guess Har even though Harold and Wendy apparently don't fuck each other, they have dreams about fucking other people. I can't determine whose dreams or whose but basically it's the two of them in the bed I would say it's probably both their dreams because let's see we have two women together and she imagines that I believe that actually I think this is part Wendy's and part Harold's dream but in Wendy's version I think this is all Wendy's dream actually now that I think about it 
she's envisioning the two of the two women together. She's envisioning whip action. I'm like, I tell you, she's a horny bitch. So then, at some point in the dream, I guess it's supposed to be Harold's reflection. Like he's dreaming of numbers. Wendy's dreaming of fucking. And apparently, whatever she's hearing, because she's not sleep. And she's just imagining. This is her imagination running wild. So, she can't take it anymore. She's like, I, I just remembered. I meant to take a bath before I came to bed. Please excuse me. So, basically, she's sitting in the bathtub. And there's a whole lot of masturbation in this. Which, self-love is always a beautiful thing. I can't front. Self-love is beautiful. But she's in the hot water listening to them. And she climaxes and she screams out and wakes up Harold. And Harold is just like, are you all right? Are, are you okay in there? So she tries to play it off that she scalded herself. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm fine. I'm scald- I scalded myself. I'm okay. I'm okay. And he's like, oh, bad luck. Is it sore? Well, never mind. <laughs> he just has no interest in her whatsoever. You come back to bed. It'll be better by morning. Yeah, okay. So, she gets back into bed, and apparently in the other room, she still hears Alice and Dorothy having sex. And then she hears Alice referring to the dream that I used to have when I was a girl, sort of game when I was young. And I believe that was Dorothy who said, but that's what I just did. So, what happened is Harold hears them talking and he decides he's going to be out there and handle like, that's it. I shan't have a wink of sleep all night. So he called himself going out into the hallway to give them a piece of his mind. He probably wanted to give him a piece of dick is what he wanted to give him. Because he's a horny bastard. He tries to play it off like he's not, but he is. And like I said, it, it, it replays the last scene of the last chapter where you see Dorothy going to her room and Alice is peering out of her door initially looking at Dorothy but then she looks up and sees Harold and he tries to play it off as a ah, evening lovely night isn't it so chapter six is Queens together and it starts off again where Dorothy and Alice are meeting up pretty much they're for lack of a better term they're an undercover couple so to speak and Lady Fairchild is talking about she was apologizing for how she treated Dorothy last night that something came up and that it reminded her of the dreams she used to have when she was a child and you see Wendy again pretty much kind of watching them and listening to them and she hears Alice say to Dorothy Leave me with my book. Later, we'll discuss what dreams we share. And back to, uh, I believe it's Wendy this time reading a book. Because she's by herself this morning for breakfast. And they meet later by the lake. Alice and Dorothy are by the lake. Alice, Dorothy, I'm sorry. Dorothy is in the water. And like I said, I kind of have to wonder if this artist is maybe bi because or maybe she's just a really good artist because she has Dorothy in the water and Dorothy's talking about the water's freezing and her body is reacting how our bodies react our nipples are hard and but she's smiling and having a good time and Alice is laying by the stream 
watching her swim and basically she says to her after a while that oh do come out of the water you're making me shiver come out of the water so and again they're, they're, they're beginning to discuss the dreams that they had when they were kids or when they were younger about how desire is a very strange land and it's you know how desire presents itself when you're a child so Dorothy gets out of the water and she's supposed to be Alice is supposed to be drying her off but of course they end up fucking again and at one point she's like oh this isn't helping me get dry I was like okay cue the porn music at that point but yeah they they get into it they're doing the 69 I hope I don't have to explain to you all what 69 is okay look all I'll say is read a book find a sex manual I'm not discussing it (laughs) but pretty much they're doing each other and Dorothy happens to look up from whatever position in between Alice's ass and she sees Wendy spying on them. Oh, I love this scene. I just now noticed this scene. As a matter of fact, after she sees Wendy spying on them, you have a nice scene of Dorothy with her tongue out with Alice sitting on her face and you just see, I guess Dorothy's supposed to be like in mid-stroke. And you see Wendy, Wendy's reflection from the water. Yeah, in between twat, I tell you. So they're like, hey, there's somebody watching us. And who is that? So um, Alice says, step into the light. And Wendy is so apologetic. She's like, I'm so sorry. I'm, I didn't mean to spy. I didn't try to. And she was like, I know you. You're Mrs. Potter from the room next to mine. Explain yourself. So then... Wendy starts crying that basically that I just came to listen. I don't know, you know, I, you know, I overheard what you said at breakfast and last night about dream worlds when you were young. And she's like, you see, that's my story. And she's just miserable and crying by this point. So then Alice apologized to her. I'm sorry. And then she tells Dorothy to come out and come talk to her. And she's like, now, now, you know, they, they formally introduced themselves. And she's like, it's just the three of us together. Therefore, I propose we devote the afternoon to storytelling. Just the three of us together. And then we have the next chapter, chapter 7, The Twister. Dorothy tells her story. She's the first storyteller. And you have this guy supposed to be flying the kite. I think he's the owner of the hotel. I think it's supposed to be some type of tie-in into how flying, of course, flying. We got Peter Pan, Alice in Wonderland, and of course, in this story, we're talking about Dorothy. So Dorothy proceeds to tell her story. Of course, we're all familiar with the Wizard of Oz, where it was a tornado that blew through Kansas and, you know, destroyed her house. Well, this is a whole different take on it. Dorothy talks about she was 16 and you see her with the cute little dog and she's in the house and they were by themselves and she talks about how you know she shut her eyes tight and waited for the twister to blow through and she didn't have to wait long and she just basically says you know it was like God shout shouted all the windows in and I knew right there I was going to die all I could think of was how it weren't fair well this is she's Kansas I'm sorry, she's 15. 
never been with a man or gone nowhere and here I am dead. Then she's like, caught myself holding my dress down so as I don't die unladylike. And it seemed so dumb. The strangest thing was lying there and that awful wind I started feeling sort of hot. And I guess the whole thing was she's like, you know what? I'm about to die. I've never had an orgasm. What the fuck? I'll give myself my own orgasm. So basically, <laughs> she's about to die. She thinks she's about to die and she starts jerking off. See, if I was dying, I could do what the heck I wanted. Didn't have to think. No, I daren't. And no, I mustn't. It was scary, but kind of exciting. I let go of my skirt and my hand just started to settle down there. I shouldn't say this, but Lord, I was wearing June in Seattle. Okay. <laughs> so basically, she's laying there. She's getting all hot and bothered. The panties are off. And she starts talking about describing the feeling of the orgasm taking over her. That it felt like it was death. And yes, I have heard. I can't think of the poet who referred to the orgasm as the little death. I have heard of that. So basically, as the tornado blew through, she was busy going to town. And she says, right before the orgasm, she was like, so I screamed and let go. And I love this picture. It's a full page spread of the twister. You see it was supposed to be the twister. You see everything in the house flying around along with Dorothy. And she still has her hands on her clip. And she's just spinning around. And basically, okay, obviously she didn't die. And she says, when I opened my eyes, the twister was gone and I was still here. And then she said, basically, everything was all different with the trees in the wrong fields, the barn on its side, and just basically nothing was ever the same again. And I like the fact that they have her going out into the middle of a... Uh, whatever's left of the cornfield with her panties still around her knees i tell you so she basically says that from that experience that's how she knew she had to get out of oz and she started traveling the world and that's pretty much the end of her story and they're fascinated and wendy is obviously very reluctant to talk about her story and she says to Dorothy oh you were so young and so brave I don't know how you can summon up the courage to talk about it like that and Alice says well guess what you're next you're talking about your life so now we have chapter 8 which is called come away come away and this is Wendy's story and Wendy basically tells the story of when she was younger about 16 her and her brothers were playing in the park and her brother spied a young couple having sex in the park. And they're standing there watching the young boy and young girl have sex. And she says that the boy made eye contact with them all, but especially with her. And she says he was sort of showing backwards and shoving. Oh, this is how she describes the sex. He was sort of shoving backwards and forwards, and whenever he did, the girl cried out, almost as if he were hurting her. And then she's like, he quivered and gave a cry, opening his eyes to stare straight at me. His eyes, they were the brightest green. Alright, so obviously she was turned on by watching this couple have sex. So, 
They end up back in their room. And apparently all three kids shared a room. And the boy, who turns out to be, of course, Peter Pan. Peter Pan visits them. He visits their room. And he talks about how he saw them in the park and how... He said that they were his friends and that he had a game that they might enjoy. So he takes, pulls down his pants and, you know, there's his dick. And he was playing. He, she, said, she says, heart thumping. I was watching them playing there in the, the lamplight and shadows. So he took it as consent that she could not talk. My brothers gazed toward us expectantly. So, okay, this is something I'm sure T-Mafia would approve of. I was like, wow. So, basically, everybody... She had an audience the first time she fucked. And I was like, wow. Although, basically, Peter Pan and the brothers... The brothers stood at the bottom of the bed jerking off while she and Peter had sex. And... You know, she's, I mean, like I said, this, the, the sex scenes in here are really great. That's all I can say. And, you know, she's playing with his penis. She's, he's, he's feeling her clit. It's just like, wow. So, you know, she describes about how, you know, he started stroking me. One of his fingers was. And then she's like, but how could I? How could I have let him do that? But the way it felt. And he just started moving in my hand. And they ended up having sex. And he comes on her chest. So, I mean, damn, this is like a porn flick, pretty much. <laughs> he had his happy... Oh, now he doesn't come on her face. He comes on her stomach. And the kids at the bottom, are <laughs> their jism is just all over the bed. Ew, explain that shit when you're trying to change the bed. Well, anyway... It's like pretty much so Peter, you know, after Peter gets his jollies off, he just kind of goes to the window and he's like, bye-bye. <laughs> so she just says, you know, he left then through the window, but in my dreams he took us with him out of, out over London, up into the sky like a wish. And it's her sensation of flying and, hey, it's her and, her and Peter kissing and rubbing on each other and <laughs> the brothers are flying around them holding their dicks so that was her story and she says that you know even though i needed to tell my story i just feel so bad i guess she, you know it's like she's supposed to be the good girl i get that point she's a good girl girls girls don't like sex or they're not supposed to like sex guess what good girls like sex they love sex i should know i'm a good girl anyway <laughs> so chapter nine called the looking glass house now this is actually alice's story and alice's story is a little bit more disturbing than their stories okay dorothy was by herself when she had her first orgasm wendy was with an age-appropriate boy even though okay i don't approve of the brothers watching and jerking off but Alice's story is actually kind of tragic in that she talks about she was a child. She had to be maybe 14. And she talks about one day that her and her sister were at the lake and their parents were away. And you see here 
where she you can see her a young Alice her reflection is coming back at her from the water and she said that she didn't even notice the man coming up behind her and it was a friend of her father's and again the artwork is really great like you can actually feel his predatory stare at her because the way Gabby has drawn this here is that you see Alice's reflection in his glasses and you can just imagine his eyes are just wide looking at her but all he can see is her and you see the sweat coming down his face where basically he's just he's basically he was stalking her and they go back into her parents sitting room and he leads her into the sitting room and he starts talking to her about the afternoon and what a great afternoon it is and that he's taking just liberties he's taking liberties with the wine in the house and basically he's taking liberties with Alice and the way it's depicted in her memory or the way it's drawn here is that again it's almost like like the mirror this makes sense where again there was a mirror in the room when this man basically raped her and molested her. I know, again, trench coat would approve of child rape. And, of course, he would say, oh, she asked for it. But asking for it, okay, if she was asking for it, he wouldn't have to ply this child, as I said, and she was a child, with booze and liquor and... And she just basically talks about how they were on the couch. And you see the depiction of he's got his, he's rubbing himself in between her legs. And she says that, well, of course she was drunk, but she puts it as that the room went away for a while and came flooding back. And just from the, and again, it's told from the perspective of the mirror where now she's pretty, she's totally naked pretty much and what I'm getting from this is as the man was molesting her she went inside of her own head and imagined she even said his hands became my hands so she in turn imagined that it wasn't this man like she turned it into a fantasy it wasn't the, that was her way of escaping the reality of the situation and that this man was molesting her and raping her and and you see that she is reaching out into the mirror into herself and it's just her wide-eyed innocence and her you know and at one point she says his hand was hot between my legs I made pretense that it was hers so that was her way of dealing with being violated like she says our tongues, legs entwined to warm cadences with cling and just basically that she turned the experience of being raped into her loving herself and the next picture is in the mirror she talked about how they were floating on water and how this is now the two of them herself, her two images of herself sandwiched together in a 69 pose and basically that's what happened was that she when she when she came to he was gone his handkerchief was still there she said my clothes were hastily put back together and she walked up to the mirror 
and she says in the mirror sat my lover my scent still on her fingertips so in the picture you see her going to herself in the mirror and she's reflecting back on herself because of course that's what mirrors do but she's saying she wasn't herself anymore and then she faints and her parents never she said I never talked about the man who came to visit he never called again and my parents just attributed me passing out to the heat or being out in the sun but everything had changed and that was her story and the last chapter, chapter 10, it's called Stravinsky. And this is all told from the point of view of Alice. And it's present time now where she's doing her own, I guess this is like a diary entry, where she talks about how the girl, the women, her and the women have decided, okay, we are friends, we're together. But it's kind of like they have to keep up appearances. Wendy is married and Dorothy is seeing the soldier guy. So she invited them all to the opera. And she's basically saying, well, I don't understand why they're with these men. They're bores. And like this, this was kind of, you had to kind of be willing to stick in with this because it's a play. And basically just to sum up the play, from what I gather, it was a play in reference to how women were being depicted they look like they're indians almost and the women are sitting together and they're basically enthralled by the play and you see wendy is sitting on the left side of alice dorothy is sitting on the right side of alice and it's basically a dream world where the men everyone is oblivious to them and it starts out where Dorothy's holding Alice's hand and they're watching the play and they basically start making out during the opera. Wendy looks jealous in this picture. It's uh, page two of chapter 10 because they start kissing and I guess not to leave Wendy out, she kisses her neck from what I could gather with the play, it was something to deal with. There was this, the focal point of the play is this girl, and this girl is almost held up as a child sacrifice, so to speak. And what it is is that the three of them connect with the girl because basically they feel like they, you know, they're lost. Hence the title of the book, Lost Girls. And in the you know, I had to read this because I was like, damn, they're getting down at the opera. They're basically having a threesome in the opera room where Alice is kissing on Wendy's breast and Dorothy is kissing on Alice's breast. And at first I was like, wait a minute, you mean to tell me they're doing all this shit and nobody notices? But of course I realized this is a dream. <laughs> now imagine if this shit could happen at the opera. Now I'd rather watch that than the actual opera, actually. If I just happen to look down, then at this point, let's see. Uh, Alice is in between Wendy's legs, eating her out. Dorothy is nibbling on Wendy's foot. So the dream is shattered, or they get out of the image of the ballet, because apparently the ballet is such a controversial ballet. A riot breaks out in the opera house, and they barely get out. And now they're all 
standing out on the street and they still haven't even told each other their first names and the three of them are talking to them to each other while the men are trying to hail a cab and i believe it's dorothy that goes what happened it it was like a dream i'm still shook up how about you lady fairchild and she's like my dear child we've been through far too much to be calling each other for you to be calling me lady fairchild i'm alice and then she's like okay well i'm wendy and she's like i'm dorothy and she's like, isn't it? And then, and then uh, Dorothy goes, you know, ain't it just perfect how we should all be friends? And she goes, I, and then Alice goes, I know so many stories. And that's the end of book one. I have to admit, I love this story. I, It grabbed me from the door. And I am not big on lesbianism. And I say that because, okay... Of course, I'm doing an adult comics review. Of course, I like adult comics. Of course, it would make sense. I'm sure it wouldn't shock anybody to know that. Yes, I've watched adult porn. Now, adult porn, maybe maybe it's the way it's depicted on screen. Lesbianism has never done anything for me in terms of watching a porn movie. But with this... Like I said, it wasn't, and maybe because in porn movies, of course, let, let's just face it. Porns are created, many of them, let's just say 99.9% of them, are created for the pleasure of men. Men want to see women getting it on, you know, no tenderness, no nothing, no, no. Whereas with this, and I guess it's because a woman, I can kind of tell that they really worked well together. Alan Moore and Melinda Gebby must have really worked very well together. They put together a piece of art where, even though, of course, it's a comic, but the way it's being illustrated to me, it is caring. It's softness. It's, it seems like, and I guess hence the title of the book, Lost Girls, it's almost like where the men are concerned, it is brutality, but where they are together, it's just all this tenderness and everything. Now, granted... For those of you who like adult comics and the porn comics just to be looking at porn, don't get me wrong, you will love this too. I mean, the depictions of sex, especially, you know, for of the, yes, of the lesbian sex was actually pretty good. So, you know, it's not, don't think that, you know, a man can't read this and enjoy it. Although, of course, chances are a man would be reading this to look at the porn pictures. But I can't argue with you there. But overall, it's a really good story. Like I said, when I first, I initially I had just read the first two chapters of it. No, the first three chapters of it. And then after I read it, I was hooked. I had to read the entire first book. So overall, I would give this a nine. I would give this a nine. It's a really good book. It's better than most of the stuff I've seen so far. I mean, I still have many more to go. So overall, as I said, I give it a nine out of ten. You know, the artwork and the wording was just beautiful, so... There you go. Lost Girls Book 1 gets a rating of 9 out of 10. And I just loved it. And I probably will finish it. Of course, this, I probably won't review the second part of it. But it was worth it. So again, thank you for joining me on my second episode. And again, if you want to leave comments, our URL is podcast x 3 xsblogspotcom and also listen for me as always on podcast x also leave comments at podcast x single x dot blogspot dot com thank you and i'm out
Podcast Production.